Welcome to Voices at Play, an actual play podcast focused on games by marginalized creators played by marginalized people. Today, playing with me, we have Amr. Hey, I'm Amr, my pronouns are they, them, and I will be playing Hedi, who also uses they, them pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at Amrats, and I'm currently working on, well, besides this podcast, the Musafirs podcast, which is a decolonized 5e actual play podcast in an original South India-inspired setting, as well as a bunch of game systems that you can find out more about on my Twitter. And I'm Algie. My pronouns are any and all pronouns, and I will be your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at 11 thirds or on Tumblr at equals 11 thirds, and this is the only project I'm currently involved in. Today we'll be playing Mutants in the Night by DC, a Forged in the Dark game focused on marginalization, empowerment, and what it means to fight back against a system that's rigged against you. And we're gonna do a quick character introduction for for your character. Yeah, so uh, I'm playing Hedi. Uh, they are a a mutant, because all the player characters are mutants, but unlike the usual way this game is played, I don't have a crew, uh, because we're playing solo, uh, and I've taken the silence power sheet, which is about kind of stealth and sneakiness, the ability to manipulate noise and make people either hear things that aren't there or not hear anything at all. You want to tell us about Hedy, you said? Yeah, uh, so Hedy is, uh, they are very... Uh, quiet for the most part and indistinguishable in most situations is probably the best way to describe them. They keep to themselves. They don't uh, wear any flashy or ostentatious clothing uh, and they're usually cloaked to hide most of their face and any distinguishing features. Uh, their most noticeable feature is their uh, voice, which in contrast to how they usually like appear in terms of quietness and stealthiness they speak with a relatively confident and loud boom uh they are wiry and short have light olive skin uh with feathers around the hands and feet uh if those are ever revealed to someone and yeah and before they ended up in the mutant safe zone they grew up in an urban environment uh which kind of affected their ability to navigate a cityscape without really needing much help or without ending up in the places where, like, that would be un... Let me rephrase that. They know how to navigate a cityscape without uh, attention, drawing attention to themselves. They know what are the best routes to stay hidden. And that's where they learn those skills. Okay. You have an alias, right? Your name is Haiti, and your alias is... It's, uh... Oh, yes, that's true. So they have an alias that they work under, and it is Wati. Wati. Yes. All right. So the other parts, there's there's a part in here where um, at the table we create the city. But before that, I would like to know, um, or to say your vice, and maybe, should we do two friends in arrival before the city or after? Mm. Uh, so... I think we can, I can talk about what I had vaguely as my friend and rival now. Okay. And then once we talk about the city, we can talk about if those change okay. uh, in any way. Uh, so 
my vice is settle a score. Uh, so when I need to blow off some steam, I find a grudge that I have and uh, resolve it for in one way or another. Okay. Do you have a lot of grudges? Is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the fact of the matter is I probably don't get along with a lot of people. Mm. Uh, just because the kind of work I do helps a lot of people, but at the cost of other people. And those people usually don't like that. Okay. Uh, and... I think for the most part, I'm fairly confident I'm making the right decisions in who I'm helping it, but I could be wrong. Okay. Probably that, like, the, the work that you do, we should discuss, like, regarding factions. But first, yes. uh, the rest of the setting building. Um, okay, so you have two friends in Arrival, right? Yes. Uh, so, for friends, I've chosen Rami, a street thief, and... Faye, a fortune teller, uh, and for rival, I have Tuesday, an information trader. Okay, Rami, Faye, and Tuesday, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so here is where, as a group, usually there would be questions about um, the city that you are living and working and stuff in, um, but I guess I'm going to ask you all of those questions, right? All right, let's do it. All right, uh, I can help out if you, you know, don't have an idea for it. But is your city a well-known, now-changed metropolis or a new city of your own creation? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Ah, uh, I don't know. Do you have any specific city that you'd like to base this out of? Mm, no, not in particular. All right. Ah, uh, then I think let's go with. I think it has to be whether it's a new city or something uh, that's existed, something very densely urban. Uh, like, I'm almost thinking, like, kind of Manhattan-style density. Yeah, that works. Um, are you, do you want to set it in Manhattan? I, yeah, we can do that. Well, no, no, okay. I think it's a shifted version of Manhattan, maybe? Okay. I think what happened is... Uh, Buildings grew taller to try to accommodate more people. Uh, and then the subway system grew deeper underground. Uh, and at some point, like a lot of that network just kind of collapsed. So the subway systems on a lot of the lower levels went from having trains to also being either tunnels of transport or places where people have set up. Okay, interesting. I like that. I think maybe just it either got too crowded or some buildings started collapsing under their own weight or some bigger calamity happened and leveled most of the above ground. And so those subway tunnels kind of got repurposed into the new shelters. Okay. Do you want to say that the mutant safe zone is in the subway tunnels or somewhere else? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I think I think the mutant safe zone is probably relegated to subway tunnels that were abandoned before this incident. Mm -hmm. With like maybe some bits above ground, but like a lot of it sort of abandoned subway tunnels i like that yeah that makes sense yeah and maybe like whatever they abandoned subway tunnels connect to a building if that building can be taken it's used as much as possible but i imagine that might get like cracked down on a lot like if, if those buildings create too much attention to themselves they get taken back yeah um or maybe certain buildings have been designated as 
mutant buildings and other ones are not. And then there's sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Like the border gets a little bit um, difficult for the humans to maintain, maybe. But which yeah, is, exactly. And I, I think- but that's very much like it's so crowded. It would be very difficult to um, maintain that. I like that. Yeah, I went. I went to high school like north of Manhattan, so like I, it's it would be bad. Yeah. Oh, good. A city we're both familiar with. Yeah, that, that works. works out. Yeah. Okay. Um. What's the next question? What sort of culture has grown in this space? Hmm. So I think I think that the aspects of like culture that were already there with like street performance art have grown, but adapted to. The, like acoustics of the tunnels Ooh. so people carve out spaces in the tunnels or use instruments and this is where my like lack of music knowledge shows but like set up instruments and stuff in a way that bounces off the specific shapes and acoustics of various areas in the subway tunnels yeah i like that and that works that works very well for you because you're kind of a sound focused um power Ooh, yeah that's yeah. all so true i like that um this is very much the sort of space for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how do normal humans feel about the MSZ and mutants there? And we already sort of said that it's difficult for them to maintain the boundaries. But other than that, how do they feel about it? Yeah, I, I think honestly, a lot of humans would probably be satisfied if there were no above ground buildings, if the mutants could just stay in the tunnels and be forgotten about as much as possible. Uh I actually think there might be, like, a schism where, like, the area of Manhattan where the skyscrapers are still fully maintained and functional and where people have, like, more resources and wealth to live in them would are the, like, hardest advocates for the mutants staying underground, whereas most of the people living above ground and underground closer to those boundaries don't, mat- like, care as much, you know? Yeah. Like, it's... Obviously, there's there's still, like going to be some influence trickling down but mm-hmm. a lot of the ones who are more grounded to it are like more have more exposure and thus don't see the problem as much yeah yeah and that's i mean that's very reflective of you know class divides where it's you know yeah. maybe the the poor humans don't like mutants but they can also coexist with them a little bit better <laughs> yeah okay um this is not one of the questions listed but i want to ask do you think that normal humans are allowed in like uh, or ever go inside the mutant safe zone not to attack the mutants just like um in limited capacities maybe mm, interesting i think since we've established this area as kind of like on the boundary of a active conflict almost a lot of the areas and like groups in the mutant safe zones are probably guarded and skeptical mm-hmm. but if they know someone i think like if they establish contacts they let people in for supplies and there's probably some groups who are trying actively to break the barriers like uh you know some of the smaller communities trying to let people in yeah and try to like break that divide but i imagine a group like the clinic would have to be super guarded and careful oh because yes. they wouldn't want anything to jeopardize like one of the only areas for mutants to receive any form of healthcare. Okay. Would you, mm, I think it might be, I don't know if this will play into anything, but I think it might be interesting if like maybe some of the, like the humans who 
don't necessarily want the mutants to stay underground. Do you think some of them might either try to or want to open some of the subway tunnels for transport? Ooh. Even though there are mutants living there? Interesting. There's got to be one, right? Yeah. There's got to be, like, I think most of the, most of the people are probably like, they need to be somewhere, so we'd rather just forget about them underground, but there's got to be one or two, uh, either politicians or, like, some sort of transportation, uh, like, CEO who's like, we're opening the subways up, and has made it their personal goal to get that happening. Yeah, because, I mean, I know living in New York, the trains are the way to get around, so... I'm yeah. sure that would change between the, the you know, 2024 and everything collapsing, or 2044 and things collapsing. But it's not that far in the future. Like, 20 years or so, people would still remember when the trains worked. Exactly. Okay, cool. Um, what's the next question? Where is your base of operations located and what does it look like? Because you don't have a crew, but do you have a base? I think I have a home which functions as a base. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's got to be a abandoned subway cart, right? Like, I feel like that's what <laughs> yes. we're pushing towards. Uh, I think it's actually two half carts, uh, and one I like that, and I set up one as my like place where I meet people and have them like. Any any work supplies, any information there or whatever. Uh, it's it's the impromptu office, and the other has a like couple sheets thrown on the floor as a bed, you know. Yeah, or across the the benches, which are not very yeah. comfortable, but you can't sleep on them. Yeah, <laughs> technically, people do, you know. But... Yeah, I definitely have fallen asleep on like a subway chair, like sitting up once. I I fall asleep regularly. It's probably not good, <laughs> but no nobody can judge me. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. So that's those are the questions that that are for the city. Um, I want to know because you mentioned that you have sort of an office connected to your home. Uh, what is it that you do? What is the work that you do here? I think I acquire things for people, either information or physical objects, uh, and he. Usually do it for one of the various mutant factions around. So just for anyone who's going to pay you, or do you have a specific tie with a faction? Yeah, let's create a specific tie. Um, I think the answer is also anyone who is, in general, anyone who's going to pay me. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of times I will do it for people who might not be able to pay me. Uh, like, I think the littles, let's go with that as my tie. Uh, I think there's a lot I do... To help out the littles for way less than I would anyone else or nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to, like, find a way to sustain myself. Like, if they need me to get information or an object that the littles are lacking, I might try to grab something else on the way to keep myself going when I'm doing a job for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but you're sort of a, um, I don't want to say private eye, but, like, you 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 get things for people, whatever they need. Yeah. Whoever's going to. Private eye mixed with, like, thief. Nice. I'm wondering, hmm. Hmm? you know what, I'm thinking, looking at it, I'm thinking Rami, who was, uh, who's my friend, who's a street thief. I think uh, he's got to be a big, uh, like a former little who hid age 16. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Um, what and, about? And that's why I'm like, I respect all the work they've done. Yeah, you're. Are you a big, or are you just friends with somebody who happens to be? I I think I wasn't. I think I was too old by the time like the littles and and, and like this stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think I'm a big, but I think I've worked with them enough that like most a lot of people there would recognize me. Yeah. How how old would you say you are, and like when did you come to the mutant safe zone? I guess that's another question: is how long has the mutant safe zones been around? Um. Hmm. Well, it says that the original, according to the book, the original mutation was in 2034, and it's now 2044. So okay, they were established probably pretty soon after. Um, it's been three years since like there was an official legal battle battle, but since the collapse, it's been ten. Um, okay, and I think. Like after the collapse, um, there's like a whole thing where as as soon as it happened, it didn't matter where you lived, wherever you were was now where you lived. If you were a mutant, um, you were just kind of stuck mm-hmm. there unless you stayed hidden for a while. I don't know. Yeah, I think for me, uh, considering my powers aren't very flashy, mm-hmm. uh, the biggest distinguishing feature is being I had to learn very early on not to shake hands with people or at least wear gloves, which were uncomfortable because mm-hmm. uh, that would reveal the feathers. But I think after like a few years, I, I got the hang of like just constantly moving. So no one started suspecting that I had abilities. Uh, I would do a job in one area, move on, uh, like think for a while, just like shifting from place to place, either, uh, mostly, honestly, like, robbing people mm-hmm. as the primary source of income. Uh, and I think I've probably been in the mutant safe zone for three years. Uh, been established in, like, my current place for two years, so probably been working consistently for the last two years. Okay. So it's it's been long enough that you're established, um, but you're not, like, this is not your original home although it's where you live now because travel between mutant safe zones is difficult yeah i think the city was my original home Mm -hmm. uh and i tried to stay above ground in the city as long as i could Mm. uh but as like like you said it's hard to travel between safe zones and as stuff became stricter and stricter you know the risk of getting caught outside the mutant safe zone uh i imagine that like the first year i found the mutant safe zone i spent like I spend the evenings in the mutant safe zone and spend as much time outside of it as possible. Mm-hmm. But that, even with technically being allowed before 9 p.m., wasn't really safe out there either. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Um, okay, so you mentioned Rami is probably is a, a big, a former little, um, and you respect mm-hmm. pronouns? Uh, uh, he, him. Okay, you respect his work as a street thief. Um, what about Faye? Tell me about your friend Faye. Yeah, so uh, Faye is a fortune teller, uh, and hmm, I don't have much details about them. If you have any ideas, I'm willing to hear it. Uh, I think it would actually be interesting uh, that they are 
maybe one of the like mechanics and engineers responsible for maintaining the mutant safe zones. Okay, that's pretty cool. Just fortune telling in their spare time, or yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I think they do the mechanic and engineer stuff as almost volunteer work. Like in general, they the mutant safe zone infrastructure is given the like bare minimum legal amount of money they have to give them. Mm-hmm. So these workers don't have a lot of resources and money. Uh, I think they hopped on because they just had like practical building skills. Uh, so they help out with it well, as much as they can. And they're like, get a, a technically like a salary from it, but it's not a lot. Okay. So then the fortune teller is their day job. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and what about Tuesday? Because I see that your rival is an information trader and you sort of also trade in information and other things. Yeah. I wonder if Tuesday is a big from a different group of literals, like within the same use and safe zone, who is has a hardline sense on like keeping the little big family isolated from outsiders. Hmm thinking like the bigs and littles can only really rely on one another uh probably has been burned before yeah. by people outside the littles community uh and so so they don't like you and they're probably also your business rival to some extent uh, exactly yeah okay it what's what are uh, tuesday's pronouns i don't know uh i'll let you choose i'm open to anything let's go with they them i like they them Okay, so we have fleshed out sort of your character. Um, you don't have a crew unless you want to have an NPC crew. I don't know. Do you want to have an NPC crew? Um, I think I think we can say I have, like, in the two years I've worked here, I know vague people for, like, most jobs. Mm-hmm. And if we do need them, we can assemble them okay. as we go along. You, yeah. Okay, so you're you're mainly, like, alone. You have contacts. You don't have a set crew. Yeah, right. I think I assemble crews if the job is big enough, but the more people you work with, the more people you have to cooperate, coordinate, and, like, split mm-hmm. the whatever you get from the job. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so we have fleshed out the world a little bit and your character. Um, So is there a particular faction that you want to work for? It's like a thing for longer games you can get... Um. You can sort of choose to help out um, particular factions, and you get a faction clock. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you have in mind? Let's just say, because I was thinking probably either the clinic or a political activist or the owls. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know which one you'd be most inclined to work with. How about this? Uh, I think I personally lean towards either the clinic or mm, the owls. Uh, maybe you can start off with like me and my officer getting like some sort of note dropped off by the various groups who need me, and I can walk towards the one. Uh, but I'd like to follow up with. I like that. I I do. I like like people don't usually meet you at your office; they just leave you notes. <laughs> Um, yeah, because it's. I think if they're not associated with a group, they come meet me. But yeah, because it's very. Uh, it's, it's some things are a little bit uh, territory based, which makes sense for how the factions mm-hmm. are set up. Um, yeah, a place like the clinic, especially, is 
tied to their building. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, actually, I think for this in particular, I want to say that you got a note from the owls, and it's maybe like coded a little bit, but you know the code because they're not exactly a legal thing. Uh, mm-hmm. they're real quick for the audience. What is the owls? Yes. Um. There's a section in here I'm going to read. Uh, Before MSCs were established, most cities had an unspoken rule. Mutants weren't allowed outside after the sun went down. Violence against mutants during these hours was unbelievably high and so laid the foundation for the 9pm curfew. During this time of incredible violence, the owls were born. Mutants who decided to fight back in the night gathered together and formed a network, establishing what areas were safe for mutants and which weren't. Once MSCs were built, the owls took root inside, immediately taking charge of the situation. They were the foundation of illegal mutant immigration, bringing separated families together through the network and helping resistance efforts move resources and soldiers where needed. In your city, they roost above the bar as keepers of the peace. They keep keen eyes on the purists, local law enforcement, and any mutant who is in need of protection. Um, they're, they're not, they're not, uh, uh, necessary. Well, they do, uh, deal in some technically illegal activities. Um, they're sort of the underground people, the underground group that's really helping mutants out, uh, in spite of what the really, really prejudiced laws say. It's, yeah, it's basically a neighborhood watch mixed with, like, a resistance. Yes. Um, and they, I think they, they normally, since you're not a part of their faction, they don't get you mixed up in, like, actual fighting or anything, but you are very skilled mm-hmm. at getting them information. Um, yeah. For, for some of the things they need. So you received a note from them and I guess go to the bar if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, I'm sitting like in my office and looking at this note and this office is, I imagine I've ripped off most of the chairs from like this part of the subway car and piled them into a desk. <laughs> It's it took a lot of time, a lot of broken crowbars, a lot of like various tools, but I eventually did it. And I have one subway chair that is wobbly because they weren't meant to stand on their own as like my seat. Uh, and the rest of the benches have been turned into the desk. Uh, there's a small like speaker playing some music, uh, but very little actual decorations. I put up as much newspaper and cardboard and whatnot along the walls to muffle sound, and there's a curtain covering the broken front half of the cart. Uh, and that's where I am when I'm like reading this note. And I'm sitting back, and this is one of the few times where like my full face is revealed. I have short, uh, dark black, scruffy hair. Uh, that seems kind of cut by myself and I'm not very good at doing it. Uh, but it's short enough that to like when I finish reading this note, I flip my hood over my head and it completely obscures the hair and keeps it well contained. Uh, I nod myself and head towards the bar. What do you think they've got set up as a bar? Um, well, it is sort of the remains of Manhattan. Um, let me see. Well, what do you think? Do you think they're above ground, below ground? Probably below ground. 
Yeah, probably below ground. Um, I wonder. It's it's either gotta be like the hole in the wall or like the supply closet, and it's actually like a subway maintenance closet or a broken wall in the in like a subway tunnel. I like the subway maintenance. Um, not not like a closet, but like a a maintenance shaft. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, one of those places, and it's been um, maybe there's like taken apart subway cars like like yours was a little bit taken apart um Mm -hmm. abandoned subway cars that they use as a a bar and for seating and stuff um yes okay um you arrive at the bar um and i think one of the bartenders you you notice them is your usual contact with the owls um and he notices you. His name is Rizal, uh, and he has worked with you before. Um, and he serves a drink to another customer and then gestures you over to the end of the bar a little away from some people. I walk over and casually take a seat, pull up like a cup of water, and start drinking as if I'm minding my own business. And he leans over the bar and slides you a piece of paper um listen we've got a job for you uh I, I raise a finger uh slowly reach into my ear and pull out like two very well used well worn earphones uh and gesture for him to continue <laughs> <laughs> okay um we've got a job for you we uh we need someone to do a pickup it's already, we don't need you to go find anything. We have someone in place, but we need, we need someone who's good at getting in and getting out of places and situations, even with a lot of people around. And you are the best at that that we have right now. So see me, like, finish drinking the water, put it down, go. So is this the type of deal where I don't ask what I'm getting, or is this one of the deals where I need to know to get the right item? It's... It's on the... It'll be in an envelope. Uh, our contact will hand it over to you. If you... It's it's coded. Uh, it's just going to be some papers with some writing on it. So it's all right for you to know that much. Uh, would rather not tell you what it really is. Understood. Yes. Um, what is What is in it for me? The usual pay? Actually, no. A bonus. It's... He shakes his head and he says, it's going to be a little risky. There are going to be some things involved, but it's also risky for our agent. Uh, so seems like a fair trade. Uh, so I think like when it says bonus, I raise my eyebrow bonus. That must mean that either you want this important, this thing, or there's going to be some extra problems. Well, you know anything about Immune task force, police, what's going on? What am I what am I looking at? What you're looking at is the yearly inspection by the human mayor of our safe zone. Um and I'm gonna say that this is something that happens every year, uh, by mm-hmm. the mayor. Um ostensibly to make sure that the safe zone is operating smoothly and people are really safe here, but more sort of to make sure that 
everybody is staying in their place. And it's it's very much political. It's a little bit for publicity. Um, but yeah, this is something that happens every year. And it's a classic just intimidation tactic. Thing. Yes, it's an intimidation tactic. It's more than a little bit humiliating to have like this rich human come in and sort of just look at all the mutants and make sure they're doing what Mm -hmm. they're supposed to. Um, So Rizal taps on the paper and says, that's our, that's our contact's name. She is, you can't tell anyone who she is. She's an insider currently working on the mayor's staff which is why it's very risky for her and why we needed someone as good at sneaking as you. I give him a slight smile and go, well, if there's one thing I'm known for being good at, it's keeping my silence. And uh, I start to get up unless he like stops me to give any more information. Um, no, I think he's going he's gonna to nod and let you go and say payment will be delivered the usual way. Uh half of your usual now the rest of it and the bonus after the job's done uh nod my thanks uh grab a drink and on my way out and like sip on it slowly as i leave okay so that is your job that is the job that you have taken um Mm -hmm. i have a few ideas on how you might do the like when you might try to get it, but I would like to hear actually if you have any time that you would like to try and get the, the do the pickup. So, uh, the location that I got is this like near the mayor's office or inside the mutant safe zone? It's inside the mutant safe zone. Um, well, the okay. like I said, this is something that happens every year since the mutant safe zone was established. Um, it's a I'm gonna say it's two days, one night. Um, probably a few days from now when the mayor and his entourage and guards and all of those people are in the mutant safe zone. Um, And they do inspections of the community center and they do random inspections of people's houses. Um, They do press photo ops with maybe some of the kids around, uh, which is, you know, cheap and terrible Mm -hmm. they might have they might attend like some events uh definitely they are there they come in on their own dime but they are requiring uh the the community to sort of house them and feed them uh while they're here which is again very insulting and demeaning but um it's a show of power. Yeah. So I think knowing all that, I'm actually going to uh, reach out to Rami because I imagine one group that looks best, quote unquote, for them to reach out to is the Littles, right? Like, look at us. We're, we're helping these children. Uh, and so the Littles probably have the most interaction and will be able to give me a lot of information uh, on what I'm looking at with this entourage, like what kind of things I have to be aware of. You know? Okay, so you reach out to Rami. Where do you meet Rami? At your office or at his? I don't, I don't think he has an office, like home or whatever. Yeah, 
I imagine, I imagine that Rami being like smart and opportunistic probably takes the opportunity with the mayor and a lot of his entourage and security out of the city to try to sneak in some more supplies from the city. So I probably wait by like one of his routes back in, waiting for him to like arrive with some food and supplies that he's gathering. Okay. Because he is still a he's still a street thief. Okay. Um. Hmm. So you do that. Um. Probably like a a subway tunnel thing. I don't know. It's got to be one of the like. I'm probably waiting like at the bottom of a maintenance ladder or something. Yeah, that's like, what I was. He he hops down and, and I'm there. <laughs> completely silent and then he hops down turns around and there you are yep. great i imagine he's used to me doing this but it probably still catches him off guard every time yeah like it's still a surprise and then he sees it to see and he's like oh it's you <laughs> don't sound so excited to see me well i would be more excited if i heard you first but i know that's not really your thing productive day out there yeah good enough uh what do you need what's up oh um well, you know who's back in for his yearly parade, and uh, he spits on the ground when you say that because he knows. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, look at look at this valuable water you're wasting. He's not worth it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I was wondering if you or the Littles had any run with him, any useful information on him or his entourage. I would very much appreciate it. I haven't had any run-ins with him. I avoid that. But some of the littles, some of the ones who are more, you know, presentable to a camera, he'll come and take pictures with them first day in, I think. They they ask them to wait by the entrance gate from the main city uh, so he can... Get it over with, and then some of the press can go home. They'll be there first day he's in, first thing in the morning. They're getting a little extra money, a little extra food for it, but, you know, not enough, never enough. Um, and he kind of holds up the backpack he's carrying, which I think is probably his haul from the day. Uh, so, no, I'll go. Thank you, that's very useful. Why do you want to know, anyway? Oh, uh... You know how it is. You need information for a job or need a job for information. Hope your job keeps you away from that guy. Good luck out there. Yeah. Let me know if I can ever help with anything. You know where to find me. Yeah, thanks. Um, and he's he seems a little worried about you because you're asking some sort of weird questions. But yeah. he's your friend, so he's going to roll with it. For now, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so is your plan to, like... What is your plan? So I think I think my plan would be, if you're saying they're staying overnight, I think I'm going to try to, like, reach out to the contact wherever they're staying at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I just, th- that uh, sort of, like, as my preparation, I'm going to watch the entourage visit the littles, now that I know where they are, to get, like, a head count. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think we have to play that out, that that would fall probably, like, under the preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my my actual plan uh is to so like wherever I guess I I guess I need to find out also where they're staying unless that's information that's been given to me or that's well known. Uh which we can play out. But once I know that, I would go to where they're staying at night, 
find the contact, get the item, and leave. Hopefully without getting caught. Okay. Alright. Sounds like a plan. You've been listening to Voices at Play. Building a table for everyone. Things aren't over yet, so please join us for the next episode. Until next time, we'll just keep on playing.